Show. The Science of... It's the science of a family business this evening. It's a particular family business. It's an insurance company founded in 1980. The business is called Hollard. Um, and it is, has, as Andy Rice mentioned, the same family behind Hollard is, is, are the controlling shareholders of Nando's nowadays. Nando's founded by Robbie Brosen, but the Enthoven's big investors in the globalization of, of, of Nando's. But also Hollard, it may surprise you, is a surprisingly global business itself. So we're doing the science of Hollard this evening. It's a, a, a privately owned company, so a lot of the facts and the details are not um, publicly disclosed. Um, so it, it's kind of a, t- a tough story to tell, but let's see if Nick Kohler can do it. He's the group chief executive of Hollard. You're not related. You're not, you're not part of the family. You're part of the furniture, but not the family. No, uh, no I'm not, Bruce, but, but let me firstly say thank you for having me on your show to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and which, very, what, talk about which is Hollard, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and a very good evening to your listeners. Um, it's, it's very nice to have you here. This is a family business, um, which was founded, I would have thought Hollard would have far deeper roots, but it's 1980. Yes, relatively young business on the financial services scene, founded by uh, the grandfather of our current chairman, uh, Adrian Enthoven. Um, so his grandfather was Robert Enthoven, a, a successful broker in his day. So he was an insurance broker. He was an insurance broker, that's right. And he was frustrated by the fact that he could not get the local insurance companies to offer products that were customized around the needs of his corporate customers. And so he decided to start an insurance company that would do just that. So it was aimed then at the corporate market. So that was Hollard's genesis, was, was in the corporate sector then? It was. It was aimed at providing cell-captive-like solutions for the corporate market. And, but specifically, And you can translate that into a language that others of us <laughs> speak. Cell-captive what? So in other words, a, a captive arrangement that a company would use to look after its own risks and take, and take some of the risk itself um, and manage those risks in conjunction with the insurance company. Now, I mean, insurance brokers make a decent living. Um, You would expect insurance brokers to have um, families that they take on nice holidays, they send to private schools. Good insurance brokers can do well. But I can't imagine how good an insurance broker you must be to be able to start an insurance company from scratch. I think that's right, Bruce. uh, Robert was a successful insurance broker, but even he needed to borrow the money to start Hollard. So he borrowed a couple of million rand at the time. From? I, I, do, you, do you know? Okay, no, it's fine. It's just when, when you hear the stories of Adrian Gore starting Discovery and Adrian went out of liberty and came to First Rand and they saw the magic of what he was proposing and they provided some of that startup capital. So that's where the, the, the capital for, for Discovery came from. Um, yeah, just the, the history of, 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 of Hollard is, is more distant, perhaps. Yes, I, I think it was a friends and family consortium mainly. I know that uh, Nedbank was a big supporter in the early days. But the, the money was borrowed, and, and ultimately, of course, he was successful in starting this business, was able to pay it all back, and, and now it's a substantial business. I mean, you talk about the recipe of Hollard, and you say the recipe is simply go into relationships, into partnerships. Just explain the, the concept of those partnerships, as you call it, because in there, I mean, you've got the financial services companies are in there, Edcon, you do a lot of stuff with, you do stuff with Kaiser Chiefs, you, you will also, as Hollard, allow other people to create their own brands using your license, for example. So there will be, um, you, you have your license through Bruce's insurance brokers, but Bruce uses the Hollard license. You'd be quite free and easy with this insurance uh, license of yours. Yes, nowadays, of course, the regulatory environment requires that the Hollard brand is far more prominent than it, than it was perhaps in the past. But yes, we have been quite pre- pre- previously people didn't necessarily know they were dealing with Hollard. Well, it was in the, on the policy document, but yes, you quite right. the, the, the marketing material would have yeah. been you know focused on the partner brand, 
And uh, I think the, part, the partnership idea comes from the insight that we can't be the best at everything. That if we focus on what we're really good at and we partner with companies or people who are really good at something different, together we can build a much better, much um, larger business and we can all benefit from participating in a bigger pie. Because there's there's investments, so you so at one stage I think you were partnering with Canon Asset Managers, uh, um, and you had a shareholding there, but that's been sold to Peregrine. So that's correct. There, there's an investment angle there. Um, there's short term insurance, of course, and lots of people use Hollard um, insurance products like that. And there's the life business as well. So you go across the main businesses there. You stay out of health, which is perhaps quite sensible. Yes. Um, so we, we are a, a, a short-term life uh, insurance and investment group. Um, and as you say, have, I think, sensibly stayed out of health. Uh, but of course, as we expand uh, internationally, in particular in Africa, health is a, a significant need. Um, and we, it is an area that we're likely to um, start to explore uh, particularly on the African continent. I mean, you're in the Caribbean, which gives you an excuse to go to Jamaica, which is a fun place to go. You're in Europe, the United Kingdom, um, Pakistan, India, China, Indonesia, Australia, and of course, uh, the dots on the African map as well. This is a pretty global business, North and South America yet to be uh, yet to be ventured into, but it's a pretty global business. Yeah, we have a presence in 18 countries now. Um, and, uh, and have achieved, I think, a, a good degree of success in, in most of our international operations. We see significant opportunity offshore, and we see that the South African way of doing business, the South African ideas, the South African talent uh, that we have available to us um, has real application wherever we go uh, on the glo- in the globe. And is, is insurance insurance? I mean, if, you, if you're selling a your life insurance policy – you pay a premium, you assess the risk of the person, you determine what the premium will be, they live for a period of time, they bump their head very tragically in an unexpected fashion, you pay out the loan, uh, you, pay, you pay out the, the policy. I mean, that's life insurance no matter where you go, right? So, so I think at that level, yes, insurance is insurance. But of course, there are many ways in which we bring um, different angles to insurance. We make it more convenient for the customer to buy, we make it more convenient for the customer to pay for his insurance, we make it more convenient for the customer to claim. We provide um, different benefits that are perhaps not available from, from some of our competitors. And, and we really have found the space to innovate in that way in every country that we've gone to, including the more sophisticated markets like the UK and Australia. I mean, Australia is massively competitive. I remember um, it was uh, the insurance guys went into Australia not long after Westbank had gone in and burnt their, burnt their fingers really badly. And you go, insurance, you know, you go into a, a direct insurance model in, 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 in Australia where 90% is run by three Australian firms. The rest is divided up into the, the last 10% amongst everyone else. But insurance has made really big inroads in Australia. You've, you've had a good experience? Yes, as have we. Um, we have a very sizable business there now that is both in general insurance and life insurance. Um, and uh, we're excited about the, the potential that the market still offers us. So it's, a, it's a, actually a, a great success story for us, our entry into Australia. Well, speaking of Australia, so this is a bit rude, but um, you're the guy who runs um, Hollard in Australia. Yes. He's participated in the CEO Sleepout. Okay. Yes. You know where this is going, don't yes, you? So, <laughs> um, so the CEO Sleepout in Australia, that's where it was founded. It's in its 10th year. 
the guy in Australia has participated in the CEO sleepout in Australia. It makes sense to me that you should participate in our CEO sleepout on the 18th of June. Dressed a bit more warmly than in a golf shirt as you are this evening, of course. Bruce, and I, I, I would love to participate. And in fact, as soon as I heard it advertised, yeah. I uh, did attempt to move. Oh, the, that's the, old the, chestnut. The, uh, you had an appointment the elsewhere. O- the overseas commitment that I, ha- I had, um, unsuccessfully so. But uh, since you've put me on the spot, I'm going to return the, the favor to one of my colleagues. And I'm going to put one pass my, the buck. I'm going to pass the buck and I'm going to challenge uh, the, uh, the joint managing director of our uh, Hollot Broker Markets division, okay. Pierre Geyer, to stand in Who's for that? me. Pierre Geyer. Pierre Geyer. Okay, Pierre Geyer, you're lucky. You're a bit like Edward Kiesbett at Alexander Forbes. He also outsourced. He's like, <laughs> oh, look, my diary. Sorry, it's full, but I'll send somebody else. But it's great. Okay, so, you, so, so somebody from Holland will come? Definitely. Someone from Holland will be there. Okay. I think uh, it's a great initiative, does by the way. Pierre, does Pierre Geyer have a choice? Uh, not, well, you know, uh, probably not. No, absolutely <laughs> not. But, but it, I mean, you can't live in a country like South Africa and be blind to the reality that is around you. And our reality is a, is a, is a brutal reality. It really is. Um, and the Entovens, I know, do lots of CSI. There's lots of family stuff that goes on very quietly that happens in, on a family side. But this is the business, um, which is stepping up to the plate. So I'm delighted. I'm sorry that you won't be there um, because I'd like, like to see CEOs of companies suffer. So, <laughs> um, and it will be, it'll be cold out on the streets. But thank you for sending uh, here. With pleasure, and it's it's a great cause, yeah. Bruce. And I, you know, the the message really speaks to us. You know, we're a business that is founded on the principle that we can do well by doing good, and uh, to that end, we work really hard to ensure that we generate what we call social dividends alongside our financial dividends. So we're constantly looking at at the business that we do and the way that we do it, looking for opportunities to have a positive social impact along with building a, a successful business. So this idea of looking beyond profits that mm. I've I've heard in your uh, marketing material is, is you know speaks right to our, Again, our core principles. I mean, the, the responsibility and the capitalist responsibility, Bill Gates talks about it a lot in, in terms of responsible capitalism. And we saw what happened with irresponsible capitalism up until 2008 and the calamity that very nearly brought the, bank to, uh, the, the, the banking system around the world to its knees. And if the banks go, the rest of us go with them. I mean, how scared were you in 2008? Um, when you when you looked at your exposures, your businesses across the world, and the fact that insurance is so capital hungry, and insurance companies need capital to 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 sort of support your policies. Well, it was my first year as CEO, <laughs> so it was a bit of a baptism of fire, <laughs> but uh, we made it, and I think we're all stronger as a result of it. But uh, but you're spot on. I think if capitalism is going to survive in a world that um, suffers from the kind of inequality issues that we mm. see all around us, and and spe- specifically in this country. Um, then I think capitalists needs to develop a heart as well as a head. Mm. And capitalism needs to make sure that we are contributors to the society that we operate in and that we generate our business from and that we employ our people um, from and, and not just focus on the, the bottom line all the time. Of course, there's, there doesn't need to be any compromise, we believe, in um, the, the financial returns that we generate. Uh, it's about you know, having a look at every, everything that you do um, and, and the way that you do all those things and just looking for ways to um, make sure that it has a positive social impact. And I think, I think we've got some great examples in our business. Um, there is an initiative that we were founder members of called Harambi. Yes, um, Harambi, yeah. Which is focused on, on connecting um, unemployed youth, previously disadvantaged unemployed youth with sustainable jobs. Great. Um, you may be aware that the youth unemployment problem in our country, is, when we're talking about people between the ages yeah. of 18 and 24, 
is really a but, ticking time bomb. And some we're, estimates we're sitting at 60, 65 percent or something. Exactly, crazy. exactly. And and so what we're attempting to do is contribute to the solution of that problem by connecting very capable, high potential job seekers who don't have access to the job marketplace because mm-hmm. of transport issues, because yeah. of cultural issues, because of um, you know training issues. Um, and we're trying to make sure that, that they will have the opportunity um, to get a sustainable job. And, and, and our insight is that if, if a young person is employed for 365 days continuously before the age of 24, then they are likely to have a sustainable job for life. But it's, it's that first job, and that is so important. If you crack that first job, you get that first reference. It just empowers you to take a step exactly. and the next step and it, the next step. Exactly. And the beauty of this initiative, of course, yeah. is that it is something that we do anyway. We recruit yeah. people. So if we can do it in such a way that we are helping to contribute to society and getting better quality people into our organization as a result, um, then we've got that wonderful coincidence of, of financial and social returns. How involved is the family, the, the Enthoven family, in the day-to-day running of, of Hollard? They are very supportive, but they don't interfere. They do believe in, in employing professional managers. Um, and oh, so you're not the first outside the family person to come in and run the Hollard insurance business for them? Then? No, not at all. Not at all. The, the family have not actually run the business since um, 1985, I That's think. sensible, isn't it? I mean, in many cases, families can do so much better out of their, out of their money and go do so many more valuable things um, when they're not interfering. Absolutely. <laughs> it's a difficult, it's a statement, not a question. Um, I, look, I look at the map and I say, there's, there's a big gap in America. There's a big gap in Latin America. Latin America, Old Mutual is, is with its emerging markets business, um, is looking in Latin America. Does North America scare you, considering it's swallowed and spat out sage? It nearly broke Old Mutual and Discovery came uh, hightailing it back from America after losing a billion rand on Destiny Health. They're still there um, with, with, uh, with vitality, of course. Does America scare you as, it, a, as an option? It does scare us, Bruce, to, to be honest. Yeah. It's uh, enormously competitive. And as you say, South African companies do not have a great track record there. Um, you know, I would say that our focus really is on emerging markets um, nowadays. Uh, we do have a successful business in Australia and, and one in the UK, but, but these were areas that we expanded into quite early in our global expansion um, yeah. uh, initiatives. Uh, these days, I think we have recognized that really what we have to offer, the differentiation that we have to offer, the skills that we have developed, uh, the understanding of the markets that we have um, developed uh, – position us better to succeed in developing markets. So we really see our significant growth opportunities as being the African continent um, and Asia. Yeah, I mean, you, you, one looks at India, for example, and both Old Mutual and Sunlum have got tentacles in there, you know, cautiously, joint ventures. China, Old Mutual's in there. Um, or Sunlum's focused on Malaysia. So it's those sorts of markets where you would see more potential than going in and taking on the big gorillas of the United States because they, they're pretty good at, uh, at doing the insurance thing. Absolutely. And, and even in markets like India where there's been a bit of a land grab and most of the big insurance groups around the world are represented there, you know, we arrive there with a, a, an understanding of um, a kind of dual economy that they have there and that we have here in South Africa, an understanding of how to meet the needs of low-income customers, um, how to make products more convenient for, for low-income customers. And that all um, puts us in a good position to compete against big groups that you know try and cookie-cut 
uh, their recipe from the first world. Isn't insurance too complicated? I mean, just uh, when one looks at insurance, and insurance by its nature is quite simple. I insure my cell phone. I expect if I drop it, break it, have it stolen, um, I'll be able to phone up my broker tomorrow or phone up the call center and say, this is what's happened. Could I have another one, please? Um, the money arrives. I get the new cell phone. The premium goes up because that's the way insurance works. And next time it happens, I do the same thing. Um, if I have life insurance, if I happen to depart this mortal coil uh, earlier than I, I hope to, then my dependents get paid out of life insurance policy. But then it's the bell, the whistle, the confusing add-ons that just, you know, it's very sexy marketing, but doesn't make the slightest bit of difference to the process of insurance? I mean, insurance is a complicated game. And um, as much as we try as, as um, Hollard to simplify our products and make them more understandable for our customers, the reality is that there are a complicated set of considerations that need to go into your insurance buying decision. And that's why um, we believe that, that brokers have such an important role to play. Do you do, in our di- business. Do, you do, do direct selling or is it all through brokers? We do some direct selling on the life side. Um, to the um, funeral insurance market because we believe that those needs are well enough understood, big, sim- simple enough. Uh, absolutely, it is, a, it many, is a big market. How many funeral insurance policies do you sell a year? We sell in the region of a million funeral insurance policies a year. And you're not the biggest? And we are close to the, being the uh, okay. biggest in terms of numbers of insurance policies. Okay. So, and then it comes to the value of insurance policy. But if you're selling a million insurance policies and Avbob is selling insurance and Momentum selling insurance and Metropolitan selling funeral, it's got to be the biggest cash cow for the insurance market in the country. Well, it's certainly a very significant market. Um, whether it's such a big cash cow or not, I guess, depends on you know, what value proposition you're offering your customer yeah. and what your costs of distribution and marketing and, and servicing and so on are. Um, I don't think that that the industry is making um, unusual profits out of out of the funeral insurance market. Is the, is the industry making a killing out of funeral insurance? Sorry, I couldn't help myself. No, uh, no I don't believe that the industry okay. is. I believe that it's a it's a fair proposition that's being offered. But to but, but, but yeah, I mean, we can go down a path, a, a treacherous path of cultural what's what's right and what's appropriate, and the amount of money that is spent on funerals. But that's a, a discussion for for another day. What is the growth area in South Africa? South Africa, I bumped into a young entrepreneur I've met many times, and he goes, do you know how overinsured South Africans are? And it's like, that came out of the blue. Tell me. And talking about how life insurance products are sold alongside couches and dining room tables and stuff. Um, and, and that's sort of a big market as well in this country. Yes. I, I mean, I don't, I don't agree with the statement that um, in South Africans are overinsured. In fact, every study that's been done shows that there's enormous, an enormous insurance gap between what – People should ideally be insured for in order to um, support their families and so on. To replace income over a lifetime. That's exactly, and and pay off debt and so mm-hmm. on. And there's an enormous gap between that and the reality of, sure. of what we're dealing with. And of course, that's the life insurance side and the the general insurance, the short term insurance side. Um, pe- people are often uh, totally underinsured, and you know that only dawns on them when they when they have an unfortunate incident. Yeah. But you were talking about you know growth opportunities. I mean, clearly, as the South African consumer market grows and becomes more sophisticated, that is a, a big uh, opportunity for us. But also for us specifically, uh, we uh, recently acquired Itana Insurance, when That's I say right. recently, at the yeah. beginning of last mm-hmm. year. And that is now bedded down in our business. Um, and we're enjoying um, fantastic support from the um, intermediaries, from the broker market. 
And um, we really are growing very nicely in that area. And we see that as a big growth opportunity for Hollard. Is Hollard a South African business and remain a South African business? Or, um, Hollard is a proudly South African business and, and will remain a South African but business. But you're globalizing? Yes. Will Hollard list at some point? Are the Enthovens looking at some point to, to cash in on, on the work of, of, of Grandad? Never say never, but I, I, I see no, um, no potential for it in the short term. So a, a private business allows you to think longer. Absolutely, and that's an enormous benefit for us. You know, we can take a long-term view when we enter into a new market, uh, explore a new distribution channel, um, move into a new country, and that's a a huge advantage for us as a as a business. And as uh, the Enthovens are fond of telling me, the the best business for you to buy is the one you already own, uh, because you understand it. So, you know, whilst the business is doing well and there is no need for us to access the capital markets. Um, we're likely to stay private. Ah, fascinating insights. And I thank you, Nick Kohler, who is the group chief executive of Hollard, outside of the family, but on behalf of the family, running the family business, probably one of the biggest family businesses in South Africa. How many life, How many policies did you sell last year? Uh, Bruce, I don't have that number at my fingertips. But, but I mean, you've got about, what, be... 5 million customers yeah, around the world. Yeah, it's yeah. big. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's a significant business. Next time on The Money Show, a shapeshifter feature. An old classmate of, my, of mine from my school days. Yeah, he's been quite successful, I suppose. He invented the snake board. He listed the snake board business on the London Stock Exchange. That set him up for a fantastic career. So overachiever from my class, a man called James Fisher, chief executive of Nautic Africa, next time on The Money Show.